not actually telling me. Oh, yeah. Good evening. Hello. Yeah, uh, that was our expertly well-produced introduction to the latest episode. Episode. God, it's Sean Connery on the hosting tonight. I told you this was going to go badly. Welcome <laughs> to the latest episode of the third and short podcast, Overtime. Um, tonight, we'll be breaking down the NFC South. I'm joined by two of our regulars. To my left, I have the Geordie Preacher, Mark Cart. And uh, or Mark Steele is his real name is, and uh, in the bottom left corner we have Bones of the Poverty Franchises, um, but also joining us tonight as a late replacement for uh, for Jordan is our um, is our good friend and um, basically producer of the of the main podcast uh, Jamie Crawford, and we've lost oh, Bones, so this is going really well so far. <laughs> I leave for a few weeks. I come back and nobody knows what's going on. <laughs> How are you doing, Bones? Are you okay? Are you alive now? Bones, are you good? Well, oh, we can't oh. hear you, Bones. You can hear us. We can't hear Because I'm going to talk a lot about the books tonight. So you can well, just chill in the we'll background. Come to that. Well, it's all right. <laughs> let's, cover, let's cover for Bones as quickly as we can. Right, so <laughs> NFC South, as we know. Four pretty good sides, I would say. The Buccaneers, the Falcons, the Panthers and the Saints. What we've usually done at the top of these episodes is sort of ask, what does the division sort of mean to you? What what signifies the division as you look at it? So I'll start with you, Mark. What is the what what do you think of when you hear the NFC South mentioned? Recently, honestly, the first word that springs to mind when I think NFC South, mm. I think of um, Sean McVay and Drew Brees. Obviously, this league has been relatively dominated by the Saints in recent years, although obviously they produced the Super Bowl champions last year. Um, but over, I would say, probably the last 10 years, this has been the Saints division to lose. Um, I would say it's creative. It's quite high-powered. I mean, when I think of the coordinators here, obviously, you know, you've got Sean Payton, who's a um, head coach of the Saints, who's a offensive-minded coach. You've got um, Matt Rule, who's a head coach at the, at the Carolina Panthers, who I'm doing, and he's an offensive-minded coach. You've got Bruce Arians, you know, who's at Tampa Bay, and, of course, he's an offensive-minded coach. And now we also have an offensive-minded coach it, you know, the Falcons. So you've got three teams here which are led by offensive-minded coaches, which should mean that this league should be explosive. It should be pass-happy. The weather's favourable. Some teams play in a dome. So, you know, like, it's really facilitated to throw the ball down the field. Um, and the quarterbacks it's produced have kind of done that. We're thinking in recent memory of James Winston, James Winston. You know what I mean? Who was who was as good as throwing as many touchdowns as he was interceptions, but he was he was a high powered offense. He was running a high powered down the field offense. Same with Joe Brees. You know, like at the Saints, more conservative, but a pass heavy, but a pass heavy offense. You know, death by paper, could some would say. Um, yeah, and and the Falcons, of course, have had Matt Ryan, and again, likewise, he's a perennial top fifteen quarterback kind of thing he's been an mvp in the past so it's, it's it's got some good quarterbacks in this division and of course now it's got one of who would many would argue is the greatest quarterback of all you know tom brady is in this division um so yeah it, it's built on offense it's built on high powered football it's been the scene so for the last 10 years but now tom obviously winning the super bowl coming back as the defending champions 
Uh, not of the division, though. They went in on the wild card. So they didn't, they didn't, you've got to remember that. Although they won the Super Bowl last year, they didn't win this division. You know, it was the Saints again who won this division. Um, and I know that Jamie will be wanting Tampa not only to win the Super Bowl again, which you've got a great chance of bringing the full team back, but also to win this division. When was the last time you won this division, Jamie? Um, I want to say a very long time ago. And I'm gonna say, maybe under Gruden when you won the Super Bowl, maybe. I'm gonna say I reckon it'd be Gruden. I was gonna say it's 2002, like when we won the Super Bowl. That that's what I'm pretty sure. We made the playoffs under Winston in his second year in 2015, but again, I think that was a wild card. Yeah, I think you're probably right. It's um, it's funny. Like to me, the NFC South has always been. Well, certainly when I started watching football, I started watching it in 2005, and it was a very sort of. Um, run heavy division back then you had the falcons with vic and dunn and uh tj duckett and people like that you had tampa who obviously with gruden were a little bit more pass happy but they had people like cadillac williams in the backfield and things like that the panthers it was like stephen davis and uh D'Angelo williams and, and the other guy who i forgot the name of and yeah and it wasn't a pass heavy league because the quarterbacks really didn't stand out um, you know, I'm struggling to think, all right, Vic, you could argue, became a good quarterback in his later years, but he wasn't a good passer back in those days. Um, Tampa, as with most John Gruden teams, were changing quarterback every year, so there was never really a, you know, a top guy. The Saints never really had that franchise guy, and then, and like Carolina, Jake DeLone, never really good enough, you know, and then it all sort of changed when, when Drew Brees came to the Saints, and Ever since then, it's kind of been an arms race of a division, I think. Teams have sort of levelled up to try and take on the Saints, take on, you know, the books have now got Brady. Carolina are still kind of looking for their guy, but you can sense that they're taking strikes at it, which is more than most teams do. And obviously the Falcons have not only had Matt Ryan, but they've had some of the more uh, high-powered offences because of having Julio Jones and Kyle Shanahan, I guess, and even, you know, over the last few years. So it's kind of shifted for me over the years, you know, from what it used to be to, to a slightly more wide open division now. They're always fun games to watch. I feel like the interdivisional games are the big sort of deciders in this. I think that's the big reason the Saints won the division last year. They were able to perform well in the divisional games. The Bucks didn't really do that. They didn't lose by a lot, but it doesn't matter. You know, you have to win those games to win the division, I guess. So I think Bones has got his audio back. So what about you, Bones? What do you think about the uh, the NFC South? Um. Well, I guess it's hard. Well, you you guys have summarised it pretty well so far. I think, like you say, now at this point in time, it is a very pass-heavy like division. It's a very just got like you say. It's got two really good quarterbacks. It had three really good quarterbacks, but it's not now got two really good quarterbacks. Like it's. It's going to be an interesting one to watch, I think, because like, I think I'm going to get onto it when I do summarize the Falcons. But they're 100 percent like an offensive team, like <laughs> especially under Arthur Smith. Like you know, he's just come over um, Shanahan tree again, I think. So it's you know he was the he was the he was the popular one in the off season for who who was going to hire this guy as a head coach. And I think yeah, I think in general it's going to be an interesting division to watch. I think everyone's got something to. Something interesting to talk about this year with in terms of what's going to happen. I think the Bucks returning ch champions is going to make it interesting to watch. Saints, you know, they've lost Breeze. What's going to happen with them? Like, the, yeah, there's a lot to watch in this division, and it should be a good one. 
I think that's a good summary as well. I think that's an excellent summary. Um, what about you, Jamie? You're, you're a fan of a team that is frequently in contention for this division. So what, what, what do you frequently think? Frequently in contention? We've been mainly bottom of this division for most of those 10 years. <laughs> However, I, I'm going to argue, like, Saints, granted, like you said, they have won the division. But I know I've argued this several times. Over the last 10 years, every team in the NFC South has been to the Super Bowl. With two of them winning it. No division can can say that. No no other division has had every team in the Super Bowl in a ten year span. So maybe back in the, the heydays of the eighties, but you know Steelers were smashing everyone, weren't they? Um, but for me, it, it's very interesting because as a Buccaneers fan, anyway, I'm used to us losing and everybody else being as good. Now we are the team to beat. So I'm looking at this in a completely different way. You've got. Like I said, Matt Ryan's reliable. They've just got in the unicorn, Kyle Pitts. Um, Saints, you never know. I'd love to see Winston do well, but, you know, it's the Saints, and I absolutely hate Sean Payton. Um, <laughs> and then the Panthers are the team I hate the most, but I love Christian McCaffrey, but I hope he breaks his legs. <laughs> so, wow. Wow. We're going now. <laughs> 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 um, but, no, like, the books. Um, I mean, it's, we might as well start, shall we? I mean, the, it's the Buccaneers, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we'll throw to you. Um, we brought everybody back in the off-season. I mean, it's the first time ever since, uh, God knows when, since the history of the NFL, that <laughs> we won the Super Bowl and we brought every single starter back. I mean, we finally got AB to re-sign and everybody has returned to try and run it back this year. And we've got a strong chance to do so. Like I said, we've got Brady in arguably his prime he's looking to break records obviously Drew Brees is now retired I think he's only a few hundred yards off beating the pass yard record which he can do against New Orleans in week four basically if he keeps going on the same average because Brady is going to have to face New Orleans at the Gillette Stadium in week four or five and if he beats this if he beats the Patriots he's going to be one of the only quarterbacks to beat all 32 teams so, <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting stat. Like, that's never really been a... Because if you think about most franchise QBs, a lot of them have done their entire career in one place. So if they have left, they've done maybe one year somewhere else at yes. the most. Brady is a bit of a freak in that respect. He's got, you know, he's got himself... A, what's he on, a two-year deal with you guys, I think? Um, yeah, two, well, he had he had two years. It's been extended, so it's another two years. He signed another one year deal, so it's two years from this year, so yeah. three years since last. Yeah, which again, like what making 47, 40, 48 nearly, and the man can play till he's fifty. I don't mind. However, <laughs> if we talk about the draft, we signed the man I wanted. <laughs> All I said, I know round round one, you argued, was a little bit too soon. I think he is a round one quarterback. I was I don't I don't understand how nobody sees this. He was a Heisman Trophy nominee. He had the most touchdowns and the second most yards in the whole of the season. And and he broke numerous records and somehow he dropped all the way down to the end of the second round. Am I missing something? I don't, I'm asking you. Am I missing something with Kyle Trask? Because I think he is one of the best prospects to come out of college. He, he beat Zach Wilson's stats. He beat Mac, oh, Mac Jones is the only one that beat him with yards. But he had the most touchdowns 
out of anybody else coming out of that college season. I think where you got him was good value. I, I, I'll say that before anybody else. I think where you got him was good value. I, I think the way this draft was stacked up, he might have snuck into the first round if a team panicked. I, I had him down as like second, third. Late second, I thought, was a good spot for him. And to be honest, it's a good place for him to go. He's going to a guy, Arians can develop QBs. I, you know, I have no doubt about that. He's made some look far better than they actually are. And, you know, and now he's going to, and now he's going to sit behind one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, probably for two, three years. You know, I, I think that, he's... That, that's all I wanted. Yeah. Like it's, it happened with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre for two years and he came in and he's arguably the second greatest quarterback of all time. <laughs> I, can Bones, I know cool. you're itching. I can, I can see Bones itching. I've not got much to be fair. I just think Trask is a product of his environment. I don't think he's going to be that good outside of the Gators. I think it's, I think it's because of the system he's playing in that he looks so good and the people he's got to throw to that he looks so good. I think without... I just don't think it's going to last in the NFL, and that's that's about it. Like there's not those tomorrow. players are hard to judge, though. That's the thing. Like it's the same with Mac Jones, isn't it? He looked like a pretty sure fire first round pick, but he was also at a college team that is on the verge, basically, of being an NFL team in terms of talent with the amount of players they send to the league every year. So how do you evaluate that in terms of like, yeah, he's battering teams, but he probably should be in the situation that he's in. It would be strange if he wasn't. So yeah, I'm mixed. I'm mixed on Trask. I'm mixed, but I, I don't think it was a bad pick for the Buccaneers in terms of what I thought of him as a prospect. That's probably fifty. No, I do want to clarify where they got him and like and what they're going to do with him. It is fine. Like I just don't think he, I don't necessarily think he's going to be the next great quarterback. <laughs> like I just don't. This is the thing with with Trask as well. Um, I know, like you said, he was in Florida. Florida aren't that great of a college team anymore. I think they used to be a lot bigger than what they are. He did have Cal Pitts to throw to, and obviously Cal Pitts was phenomenal. Uh, maybe he will in the NFL. Hopefully not. Hopefully he breaks his legs. Just <laughs> um, But with the um, with Kyle Trask, you'll say, uh, everybody said, like on, on the other show, Matt was saying, Tom was saying, I'm pretty sure half of you were saying it as well. I don't know how half is with three, but you're all saying you could put any quarterback in that book's offense and will be still amazing. So you're saying I, Kyle Trask won't have that power to throw to. You I don't know that I would have said that. Because your other option was Jameis Winston, which I've been very clear about my feelings in him on this podcast. But <laughs> um, no, I, I get what you say. I get what you're saying. It is, he's going to the right place. There's no doubt about that. Who else did you pick up? Sort of, obviously, you talked about free agency. You brought everyone back. Was there anybody else you picked up in the draft that you really liked? Well, before I do, I can see Mark just like laughing at Trask. And I want to know what, what is your problem with Trask? Yeah, I want to know what he thinks as well because I think he's I think he's ready for this one. So, so Trask came into Florida and wasn't even the starting quarterback. He was the he was the backup quarterback originally. And he came in. He didn't even start high school. Trask didn't even start in high school. Let's get this let's get this right as well. And then he got an opportunity to start in Florida and did very well. But he had some really good pieces around him. We had Kadarius Tony and he had Kyle Pitts. Also, what he did have is he had Dan Mullen. Now, we talked about Urban Meyer last week, you know, like who's now the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Dan Mullen was his offensive coordinator for many years. 
Um, you know what I mean? And he was the one who, who along with Urban Meyer, you know, designed this spread offense, an RPO offense that we see now filtering into the NFL. So, you know, Dan Mullen is like a bona fide, you know, offensive whiz in college football is what I'm seeing. So if anybody can make a quarterback good in college is Dan Mullen. And you're throwing two first-round draft picks who's thrown two, and you're going to look quite well. Now, what does Kyle Trask do well? He's got really good arm power. He can throw the ball downfield. He reads defences reasonably well, and he takes chances with the ball. Perfect for Bruce Arians. He wants to throw the ball downfield. He's not, too bothered about, he's not too bothered about mobility or anything like that, which is good because Kyle Trask is a virtual statue. You know, he's not going to churn up the odds. He's not going to move a little bit. Although he is quite strong body, think Ben Roethlisberger, but a little bit less mobile, but hard to bring down. What's the problem? You're seeing, well, where's the rub, Mark? This is what I'm seeing. Hasn't started much football. There's a reason why he didn't start at high school. There's a reason why he didn't start straight out the gate of Florida. When we go to his, to his bowl game and you took away his main weapons in the Cotton Bowl against Oklahoma, we saw a terrible performance from Kyle Trask on the national stage. Now, that is arguably the acid test. You're in the bowl game, you're playing Oklahoma, you know, you're up against Spencer Rattler, this quarterback who's on the other side for Oklahoma, and you're up against this other high-powered offense. Can you keep pace with them when your best weapons are going to be neutralized or not on the field? And the answer was no. That's what he's going to see in the NFL every single week. That's what he's going to see in the NFL every single week. You know, don't get me wrong, Jamie, I think where you took him was about where he should have went. Back end of round two, start of round three was about his position. Do I, would I be surprised if in two or three years' time, Kyle Trask comes in and has an adequate NFL career? No, not at all. I think he'll be... Look, Mike Glennon was a starter for a few years in the NFL. And Kyle Trask is already a better player than Mike Glennon was. But is he going to be the heir apparent to Tom Brady? Are you are you going to not be going back to the quarterback well in another fifth, like in the next fifteen years? I don't think that's the case, Jamie. I think he'll be a good backup quarterback. I think he'll be a good spot starter. Is he going to be the heir apparent to Tom Brady? I'm sorry, mate, but I don't think that person's on your roster yet. <laughs> Okay, okay, so I think we should have a task, but Trask or Winston? <laughs> Winston. Okay, we'll get Winston, don't we'll get, get Winston. Winston was a first round overall pick, number one pick. We'll get we'll get to Winston in a bit. Don't worry about that. That's half my notes <laughs> on the tonight. Um what else have you got for the books, Jamie? Have you got anything else other than other than trash you got other stuff that you've been impressed with or I literally thought you said trash then just to spite me. <laughs> um, yeah, like I said, we, we, we did okay. In the first round, we took Joe Tryon. I, I don't know a lot about the offensive linebacker from Washington, but um, I'm hoping he's going to be all right. I was going through all the picks that we had, and there's a lot of offensive linesmen. We took about two or three, I want to say, um, just to add that extra power. The one that... Um, intriguing me the most is we traded up with Seattle in round four to get Jalen Darden from uh, North Texas for a wide receiver. Now, we've already got young wide receivers. I, I like I love Scotty Miller. 
Uh, you don't really see a lot of um, of Tyler Johnson, um, but hopefully he's going to be all right. This guy, I don't know if he's going to get a lot of reps with Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, uh, Chris Godwin in there, and then you've got Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson in there. Second, third years coming, but offensive linesman to protect Brady, Trask maybe in the future as well. Who knows? I'm happy with the draft. I think the main thing with the books is we brought everybody back, and that's what everybody's going to focus on. We brought everybody back. Will I see any of these players start? Probably not. Like Joe Tryon was a first round pick. He might have a few. Like if if we do really well and we win most of the games, he might get the back end of the season where we're already kind of guaranteed to go to the playoffs. He might get a few games. I'd love to see Kyle Trask come in. That's what I'm looking forward to preseason to see what he's going to be like. But Brady, if he wins this year, is he going to retire? When you when you win the Super Bowl and you bring so many pieces back, you're not looking for starters. You won the fucking Super Bowl. How much better can you ask for that? <laughs> what you're looking for is you're looking for players who can keep their foot on the gas when your starters have to come out the game. So yeah. you look at like your two pass rushers and you look at Shaq Barrett and look and you look at uh, Jean Pierre. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, JPP. And what you're looking at is you're looking at, well, these two of me starters, but they can't play every single down because one's missing a finger and is on the wrong side of 30. <laughs> and the other one's undersized and does an incredible job undersized. But there's situations where I'm going to need to rest them. If I go get your trying, can I bring him in? And will he bring the same intensity? Will, it, will he give the opposition's offense a rest when I take JPP or Shaq Barrett out? And that's what they've done. They've brought in Joe trying to went, look, we don't need you to be a starter. What we need you to do is we need you to keep the pressure on. You know, like when we look through Jalen Darden, you mentioned Jalen Darden. Jalen Darden is fast. He runs a 4-4 speed. He had a pretty slow 40 time by his standards. By all reports, he's meant to be a 4-3 guy. He ended up in the 4-4s. His short, his, his short shuttle was really good. Um, I think he'll probably make his name on special teams at the start. No one's expecting them to come in and beat out Godwin or Evans or Brown. But what you're expecting is you're thinking, well, come on, have somebody who can contribute in special teams. Will he be will he be returning kicks? Will he be returning punts? If we throw him in, you know, is he going to give the off the defense something to think about? And his speed is, you know what I mean? You've got four good receivers ahead of him if we're tossing Scotty Miller. You know what I mean? So he's going to be fifth on the depth chart. He's going to maybe get 10 targets this year if, if, if he's lucky. But what else yeah. can he bring to your franchise? Mainly in special teams. Can he be a gunner? Can he be a gunner? Can he be a kick yeah. returner? Can he be a punt returner? Can he be on field coverage? That's what you're looking for him from, and his speed would suggest he could be, you know? Yeah, that's definitely one of them I always looked at on Madden. Anytime I played a Madden game, I'd always look to get somebody in to have that kick returner or punt returner because I think their main option is scotty miller like i love scotty miller he isn't the quickest but you know he can break away at those, at those yeah. points i but, think i like, think i think what was really impressive as well is jamie obviously bringing back the full teams amazing and i said at the time that's the best off season anybody can have and they didn't even add anyone the super bowl champions just bought every single piece back including their coordinators i think that mm -hmm. also goes under like under you know like goes under the radar on this everyone looks at the players <gasps> the brought back antonio brown or the the managed to keep godwin or oh, now leonard finette's coming back and you know like and, and brady's extending his contract and he's 
he's, he's, he's eating salary. I mean, how often does that guy sacrifice earnings for the good of the team? That's an underrated quality of Brady, by the way. You know, the guy's playing on about £23 million this year, which is less than what Derek Carr slated to make. You know what I mean? You know, so that tells you about how this guy sacrifices his pocket for what he wants, the championship, legacy. You know? Um, and there's not many NFL players who do that today. But most importantly, you bought back Todd Bowles. You know what I mean? No, you bought back Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles has had his chance. Has had his chance. Has had his chance <laughs> at head coaching before at the Jets. But he just won the Super Bowl for years. It wasn't Brady who won that Super Bowl. It was Tom Bowles' defense that won that Super Bowl. The stifled the best quarterback in the NFL. And I mean battered him. The battered Patrick Holmes. That wasn't Brady doing that. That was Todd Bowles doing that. And to keep him in, to bring him back, and to say, look, you probably can go and be a head coach elsewhere, but how about staying here and repeating this again and keeping him as a coordinator was as good as a move as any that you made, Jamie. Yeah, and I agree. And I definitely think it's going to be... We are. I know we're going to go to the predictions later, but if we win it back, it will be the best season ever. It will be better than last year. I'm just hoping that this year we can win the division and then go on even further and get that first round by and then carry on doing it again because so you're feeling optimistic then we, we usually like if we're summing the team up we usually get a prediction at the end it's a bit more difficult when the person's a fan of the team though as I suspect <laughs> they're often going to predict that they're going to do quite well I mean I've got to do the 49ers in a couple of weeks so I, I tried to be a little bit unbiased and not have anything in the background. As usual, I have all my yeah, stuff in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a little bit impartial. I mean, Brady is getting old, isn't he? So you never know. Is he going to be able to do it again? Who knows? But that defence can. Like I said, defence wins championships. We won it in 2003 with our defence. We won last year's with our defence. Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> Speaking as a Brady denier, Bones, what what do you reckon to that that whole thing? I, I actually agree the defense won the Super Bowl. I know that was your your point the day after the game as well. Uh, is but that what, what you think is that what I am it? now a, a denier of Brady? Like I, don't, <laughs> I, I said in that particular game, he was fine. Like he played well, but the defense won the game. Was my yeah. was the overall Brady point? Brady didn't deserve that. to win the MVP. No, he but... didn't. One of your defensive players definitely deserved the MVP. <laughs> Yeah, I'd have taken. I had Chuck Barrett as well. I'd have taken that one, but maybe the bet is part of what blinded me to. But ignoring all that, I think, I think the the books just proved the salary cap doesn't matter. Like it's irrelevant now. You can do anything. You can restructure it well. Yeah, you can restructure everything however you want. You can just bump it ten years down the road. It doesn't matter. Like so, it'll be someone else's problem by then. Like, but no, then. I don't think him getting any older is going to really change it. The way he runs his offense isn't. It's like you said, he can probably play, he could probably can play till he's fifty. Like this guy, he he just he plays a sensible, slow sort of like not slow, but he doesn't rush things. He doesn't run a lot. He doesn't take a lot of hits. And you've built a bit of extra into the O line. Like it's going to be a good year. I did want to mention that. I thought it was an interesting little tidbit. Um, I think the Lions actually spoke to the Buccaneers on the draft day about who you were picking because you were taking a defensive tackle, weren't you? They thought it was going to be Levi, and it wasn't. It was, it was Tryon. But it was an interest. It was just an interesting little tidbit from inside the draft rooms where they thought they, both teams were going for a player at the same position from the same school, and it'll be interesting to see who had the better, better one. 
But no, in all seriousness, no. I think I think the Bucks did amazing. Like you brought that entire Super Bowl winning roster back. Has anyone ever actually managed to achieve no. that before? No, no, it's never like, happened. No, like that's unbelievable. It's it's just yeah. Well, well played to them, and I think, like you said, keeping the defensive coordinator who clearly did win that Super Bowl is absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Like, I, I just think they are going to be the team to beat in that division now. With Breeze gone, I don't. I think they're they are they are top dogs in that division now. But that's for the predictions later. We'll talk about that more. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all pretty optimistic about the books. It's hard not to be optimistic about a team that won the Super Bowl that brings <laughs> its entire roster back. You know, I, I like to poke holes in most teams, but I am struggling with, with the books. The only thing you can really say is the Brady thing. But every year it feels like we have the conversation of how much longer can he do this for? And it turns out there's at least another 12 months on it. Everybody was saying that after game one when he threw two interceptions against the Saints and we lost and he was like, he's done. Like, he's here for his retirement tour. Uh, nothing's happening. He's just going to, like, fade into oblivion. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> we didn't have a preseason. Room. That was his first proper game. Yeah, that was the missed part. Four or five, four, five games after. Done. And touchdowns so, all over the place. Yeah. That's a, yeah. that's a, that's the thing about Brady. When I think about quarterbacks who look old, they have poor arm strength. And Brady's game's never really been predicated no. on arm strength. It's been predicated on intelligence, pre-snap reads, being putting the ball in the right place, putting it in timing. You know, you know, and 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 I kind of think now, and we're not just going to admit that Brady's just not going to have a drop off. He's just going to be brilliant until the day he decides to stop playing football. You know what I mean? No, he's just. I remember Patrick. Uh, I remember uh, Richard Sherman. I uh, saw an interview with Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman, notorious shutdown corner, played for you, John, played for Jordan's team, sat Seahawks. Um, he's now looking for a team, funny enough. And people were talking about his speed and just how he wasn't fast. You know, he didn't run a fast 4-3-40 or 4-4-40. Or he ran like barely a 4-5. And he said, yeah, I may not be fast, but my intelligence puts us where I need to be. Yeah. Half a second quicker than the wide receiver. And I think that I think that sums up Tom Brady. Yeah, I may not be athletic. Yeah, I may not have Josh Allen's arm. Yeah, I may not have Patrick Mahomes' ability to throw off multiple platforms. But you see my brain. You see my ability to break down and look at a defense and, and know where the weakness is before the ball snapped. That means that that that's what gives me. That's what that's why I don't have to have that stuff because I just know where to deliver the ball and on time and with timing, and where the matchups are, and how to exploit a defence. The guys, look, people will argue, is he the best quarterback of all time? You know, people will argue it. You know, I'll argue it. I'll say, well, maybe maybe, maybe there's others who have been at a bit more panache. But look, Super Bowls mean a lot. This guy's won Super Bowls now with multiple franchises. You know what I mean? We kind of deny that this guy's a, you know, he's, he's what Michael Jordan was to basketball he is to the NFL. You know? Yeah, it's crossed that threshold now, hasn't it? He, like to win Super Bowls with multiple franchises, not many quarterbacks have done that. I don't think. I don't know the stat, but I don't feel like there's been a ton of them. Um, certainly, the the legendary ones. If you start looking at people like Brett Favre, Montana didn't win it with the Chiefs. You know, like, there's a few that have transferred and not not been able to do it. I think you're right about Brady. I think it's finally answered that question of. Was he so good for so many years in New England because of the system or because of him? I think what we're seeing now is the system was elevated by Brady, not the other way around, because he's gone to a different system and he's having the same results. And it is probably isn't. 
in some ways, and I think I might have said this before the start of last season, Arian's offence is not necessarily Brady-friendly uh, because of what it asks the quarterback to do, but he's obviously tailored that a little to... I mean, why wouldn't you? You get the best quarterback in the league, you're going to tailor it to them, aren't you? But, yeah, I think I think we've... I think you know you have to be optimistic about the books, don't you? Really, I think I think when we come to do the predictions later on, I think they're going to figure very highly, if not up at top. But we'll not spoil the rest of the show. Let's see what uh, let's see what case we've got for the Falcons. Let's go over to our uh, purveyor of poverty franchises, Bones. Uh, what you got for the Falcons? I don't think this week I've got a poverty franchise. To be honest, I don't. No, I don't, I don't at either, all. To be fair. Um, You've got I think a the Falcons are... franchise that can't hold a lead, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> this, the, I mean, the, that was going to factor into something I'm going to come on to anyway. So we will, we'll get into that because that is, a, it's a good point, but it's, it's also, it, it's an interesting point for Atlanta on the same, on, on the same time. So, I think, I think Atlanta is a cool team to look at right now. They've just signed Arthur Smith, who, like I said before, was sort of like the hot pick of the coaching hires this year it was who where is Arthur Smith going to go was one of the biggest talking points and it's, it's the Shanahan tree it's the it's what's quite popular at the moment we talked about it in other episodes where it's the, it's the play action it's the you know it's that style of offense so it will be interesting to see they've signed as we all know the unicorn Kyle Pitts which everyone is very excited to see play football including myself like this guy is phenomenal um he's he played what? I think it was only seven games last year. He was he was the Gators leading in touchdowns and receptions and yardage, and probably would have been the overall leader for the Gators had he played all the games last year that he could have played. Like he's what he's six six, two hundred and forty five pounds, and he does not move like someone who is six six and two hundred and forty five pounds. <laughs> this is why this guy is unbelievable. Like he can create mismatches with uh, linebackers and safeties, and he will be playing like he'll probably play a bit on the line. He's not the worst blocker in the world. Like people want to like you. It's kind of when you're looking at pits, like, you are reaching for things to sort of be like, oh well, this is a hole in his. The only hole there is is like maybe he's not the best blocker in the NFL. But he's going to be, he's going to, we're going to see stuff like we see from the Raiders with Darren Waller. He's going to be thrown out to the outside. He's going to run deeper routes. He, he has that ability to match up with like a safety and just completely throw the, like, it's such a mismatch. Like, it's going to be really, really, really interesting to watch this guy play, like, for real. I think we all, we all are going to be talking about this guy for a lot of years. And I think he's going to the right system. This is something I was going to talk about was like the, Falcons right now, I know they've lost Julio, but I still think they're going to be just a super super offense-focused team. They're going to be, if they're going to win games, and I think there's, there's a chance that they're going to, I think they're potentially second in the division, but again, we're going to talk about predictions later on. Um, I do think that they are going to be entirely offense-focused. They were last year. The defense still has holes. They've lost people, and I, they've signed other people, obviously. like Their second signing of the night was... Um, was Richie Grant, who I had a look a bit of Richie Grant's tape, and boy, can that guy tackle. When he hits a guy, he he is proper dump tackling every single tackle he gets into. His form is unbelievable in that tackle game, like, and he looks like a good. He looks like he's going to be a good safety for them. He can. Pro I think they announced it as defensive back. Um, I think he's played a bit of corner in his college career, but he played a lot more safety last year, and he probably will do quite well at the safety position. Like I say, he's a, he's a good run stopper. Like he will be good for the anti run, like the counter run. Like the Atlanta Falcons, I think. 
someone might have to correct me if I'm getting this backwards, but last year they had a much better pass defense than they did run defense. So this is probably a good signing for that. I think the problem they've got is he's definitely going to, there's some of these picks they're definitely going to have to start day one because they lost people at other positions and it might not work out for them. Like Jalen Mayfield's probably going to move into guard. I don't think he's going to play tackle. He's not, he's not built for it. Like, um, Darren Hall was an interesting one. I wanted to bring this up because a lot. I heard someone say, "Oh, he's not fast. He's not fast enough." And it's like I wanted to bring up something Mark mentioned. Earlier. Richard Sherman again, notoriously not a fast quarterback. Like you don't have to be fast if your brain's there. And this guy often puts himself in the right position. So I think in the first four rounds, they made a little move as well, um, up to get a couple people. They made some right decisions. I think it's some good picks. I think it'll help them in places where they did need help. Um, I think. I do think they're still like, obviously they're going to get scored against. Like the defense isn't going to stop a lot. Like I don't think, but their offense is going to be able to score a lot of points. Like we saw, there's a lot of talk before the draft. Are they going to draft a quarterback? Is it are they going to move away from Matt Ryan? But then they committed to another two year deal with him, and it's you know it it was quite clear that the way the Falcons were looking at it is sort of a win now attitude, but. I guess I feel like letting Julio go. If you're planning on winning now, was a weird choice. But they got a couple picks out of it. They, I, maybe not the picks that Falcons fans think they should have got for Julio Jones, because it is Julio Jones. But then you have to look at Julio Jones's contract and see that that's why you didn't get any first round picks for Julio, is because the team that took him off you is they're taking on a reasonably large contract obligation, and they're going to give you a bit less in terms of picks for what like you've given up. But even without Julio, again, it's it's a good it's a good wide receiver core. The biggest area where I don't understand what they're going to do is running back right now. But it's a position at the moment within the NFL where, as we discussed before, you run a stable. You don't have to have the best running back in the NFL to have a run game anymore. You don't have to have no like he's obviously good. Let's not get into it. But you don't have to have Derrick Henry to have a good run game in the NFL anymore. You can have a stable of okay running backs that are situationally good and swap them around depending on which situation you need to play that running back right now and i think that's what we're going to see from the falcons run game next year i don't think we're going to see any like big stars in their running back room but i think receiving wise throwing wise like matt ryan is a good quarterback and with drew Brees' retirement he is definitely the second best quarterback in this division without a doubt like he is a really good quarterback he's been mvp and if they can bring him back to an MVP caliber, then yeah, that's going to be great for him. I think in a Shanahan led, like a Shanahan style offense, he has more chance of being an MVP again. I think he's got, um, I think he's got the right, the right system for it. The one question is, I, I guess we haven't seen Arthur Smith use tight ends all that much at the Titans. I don't think like the Titans aren't particularly famous for tight end usage, but. I still think Kyle Pitts is just, he's that good. You, it doesn't matter if you've used tight ends much in, in your coaching career. Like, you are going to find uses for this guy. But in overall, I think the draft was really good. I'd, I'd give him a solid, like, B plus A for the draft. I think they got some really good picks. I think they got some positions that they needed. Defensive tackles, defensive ends, uh, cornerbacks. Like, there was a good few defensive safety. There are good few defensive picks in here that should hopefully, if not add depth, at least add depth. Like, some of them might end up being stars. Uh, Avery Williams looks like he'll be a good returner, to be fair. I think Avery Williams, even though he's slated as cornerback, will probably be their return guy. Um, and then you've got Frank Darby as wide receiver in the sixth round, which 
I guess at the time you didn't know Julio was going, but there you have it. Like, yeah, no, I think it's a good draft. I think they'll be an interesting team to watch the next year, if not only because they're going to be entirely basing winning games on scoring points. They're not going to be winning games based on defending from based on what they look like right now. So yeah, they'll be one to watch just because they'll be fun. They'll be throwing the ball constantly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I'm a pretty big fan of this. Um, I think the <laughs> it remains to be seen how good a how good a head coach the new guy is. But I will say this: Dan Quinn had, had long since burnt out his his welcome in Atlanta. When you hire a defensive minded head coach, you expect to have a good defense. And with the exception of the Super Bowl year, and even that let them down late in the game. They haven't really had that. So I don't – the issue for me with the Falcons is is kind of caught between two stills, and you kind of touched on it yourself with the, the Matt Ryan stuff and the Julio stuff. They're a team that has the cap situation of a team trying to win now, but the roster of a team that needs to rebuild. And why they were unable to get so much for Julio, who is a fantastic player, Everyone knew they needed to trade him, and that significantly impacts the market. It's the same reason they couldn't really draft a QB. I know we talked; I think we talked about it on the on the draft podcast. Couldn't really draft a QB because they are committed to Ryan and his contract for at least two more years. So it kind of catches them in a bit of a weird spot. I think they're a little bit like they're halfway through a rebuild on defense. It feels like, as you said, the draft was largely defensive players trying to get some youth in there. Trying to get that sort of, in a way, trying to get that defense from the Super Bowl year back. Young, athletic, sort of dynamic defensive players. Drafting Pitts, obviously, he was, he was a brilliant talent. I think any team would have been happy to get him. I personally don't know that they went into the draft thinking we must have Kyle Pitts, but when you're sitting there, how can you not? You know, he's so far and away the best player on the board at that time. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know with the Falcons. It feels like it could go either way. As you've said, it's going to take a lot of um, a lot of guys starting early for them to be successful. You know, they're going to have to start players with little experience. And um, I think that's my concern. But we'll see. I don't know. First year of a new coach as well is always a bit of an unknown. There aren't many rookie head coaches that, that go deep into the playoffs. It does happen every once in a while, but it's fairly rare. Um, yeah, I, I think that was a good summary. I do. I think I think there's a lot to like, but there's just things where you're thinking, what next? I did forget to mention something that I just realised. The game against the Buccaneers that Jamie mentioned. Atlanta were looking really good in the first half of that game. Like, their <laughs> offence was really strong. Like Matt Ryan threw for like 300 and something yards in the first half of the game. Scored yeah. multiple touchdowns, had a great game. Second half, defence fell apart. Brady came out, tore him apart. Like, uh, I wasn't talking about the Bucs yet. I'm talking about half of their games that season. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, it's Atlanta's, Atlanta's <laughs> historically <laughs> choked quite a lot. They choked against us last year when Gurley yeah. scored a touchdown. That was the one I remember. Yeah. They were battering the Cowboys and, and fell apart. I actually think Atlanta has now got some sort of mental block when they have a big lead. After the Super Bowl, I think it's just, it's one of those things you can sort of feel it. And it does impact teams. You know, teams won't necessarily say this, but it does impact how you how you are psychologically. When you've got players who have been in that situation, suddenly it's like, oh shit, we're winning this game. This is going far too well. <laughs> like, you know, I do think there's a little bit of a. There's just something there that's hung over from the Super Bowl. It's been a few years now, but you can tell it's still... I think it still follows the organisation around. 
maybe the maybe the change of culture, you know, with their coach and obviously a bit of a turnover in the roster, maybe that'll help them. What are you thinking about the Falcons, Mark? Are you are you a fan of this or not? I know you love Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I mean, look, Kyle Pitts. Like, do you take tight ends notoriously come into the NFL and struggle? It takes a while for a tight end, I think, to make an impact. You know, like you've got a tight end at the Lions, Hawkinson, who you took high, and of course you took Eric Edmond at the Lions as well high. And I think <laughs> it's one of the harder positions to really make a go of it. You know what I mean? No, they don't come in and normally they take a while to get going. I think that Kyle Pitts will be lucky if he sees 50% of his snaps as an inline tight end player. I think you're going to see him as an X receiver split out wide in the role that Julio Jones was filling. I think you're going to see him lined up in the slot. And I think you were right in mentioning Darren Waller. Because I think that's how he's going to be used. He's going to be used as Waller is used for the Raiders. He's going to play a bit in tight end. He's going to play a bit in the slot. He's going to play a bit at X receiver. And, and and that's really what they needed. I think that's why they felt comfortable moving on from Julio Jones. They've got a number of good receiving options there. They've got Calvin Ridley, who really came into his own last season. They've got um, Russell Gage in the slot, who's more than handy. You know what I mean? And, 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 can, and can have stack-up games, you know, where he stacks up big catches and big totals. They've got Zacchaeus, if I'm pronouncing his name right, who came in last year. And, um, and, and and did really well, Zacchaeus, he's still there. And of course, now they've got Kyle Pitts. I don't know if that if the offense is going to miss anything for Julio Jones or being in it. That's strange that when you're talking about such a really good player like Julio Jones. But I genuinely think they won't, they won't miss much. You know what I mean? I think Albert Smith will, will, will be in there and he'll be, you know, he'll look at what he's got and he did wonders for Ryan Tannehill. And anybody who could coach him up and make him a top 10 quarterback after what we saw of him in, in Miami, you know, like is, is clearly somebody who was very good at um, calling an offense. Mike Davis at running back, they brought him across from Carolina. We saw him do well when Christian McCaffrey went down injured. He did well, you know, but, you know, can he do that when there's more pressure and he's the guy, you know, like he's not the guy who's just filling in. For the for the for the one who was meant to be the guy who's now injured, um. But Mike Davis did really well, and and he didn't let anybody down in Carolina. I just, I just look at this team and I go, you've got superstars legitimately pretty much all over the place. You've got Dion Jones at linebacker, you've got Grady Jarrett at defensive tackle, you've got Dante Fowler at defensive end. You know what I mean? You've got um Calvin Ridley at wide receiver. You've got Matt Ryan at quarterback. You know, you've got Jake Matthews as left tackle. You know, like, and this is just off the top of my head, names that I'm naming here, and I kind of think, are they in a rebuild? Or are just not the sum of their parts? Did Dan Quinn just not have this right? Yeah, because when you, when you name those players, what I've just named there, this team has been underperforming in that case. Yeah. You know what I mean? No. They've, they've, they've been underperforming because they've got a lot of talent on there that our franchises would love. Who wouldn't love Deion Jones in linebacker? Who wouldn't love Grady Jarrett playing three tech? You know what I mean? Who who wouldn't love these players? You know what I mean? No. And I kind of think maybe, maybe that maybe it's just a case of the needing to move on from Dan Quinn. And I don't know if they're in entire rebuild. I think they have got talent. I think they have got talent. I think we just need to see what this new coach is about. But I don't mm. think they're a million miles away. I like what they did bringing in Richie Grant. 
he did tidy up his tackling in 2020. In 2019, he was a fucking missed tackle machine. But he, he clearly worked on it. He came back for his senior year. He was a 23-year-old senior. So I guess he it was a gamble, you know, like taking a chance. He's going to be 24 before a ball snapped. And he's came in, and, and the thing is, when you're drafting a 24-year-old, you better, you better be the finished product. And he looks more like the finished product now as a result. You know, he tied up his tackling. He can legitimately play strong safety, free safety. And in the senior bowl, he even played some corner snaps. You know what I mean? They've got AJ Terrell, who I liked out with Clemson last year. They took him in the first round. He he started coming on towards the end of the season. They've got Dion Jones, got Dante Fowler, they've got Grady Jarrett. They've got some pieces on defense. You know, I, I think they're a pretty well balanced team. And to be honest with you, they should really be pushing for a wild card place. You know, like I, I really think that they're not in total rebuild. I think they've got enough on there to be able to go. Hey, we you know the Saints are dropping off. The Panthers have an unknown quantity in Sam Donald at, at QB. Why can't we not be the second best team in this division? Why can't we not get a wild card place? They've got the talent. Yeah, it's an interesting one. They could definitely be one of those teams that, you know, perhaps doesn't win the division, but catches fire enough with a with a bit of a new voice that they could, you know, nick a wild card spot. And I, I wouldn't like to play them, you know, in the playoffs, to be honest. I think as you say, there are some good pieces there, and I do think I was trying not to. I tried not to say anything outlandish and too critical of uh, any head coaches this week, but I, I don't rate Dan Quinn as a coach. So personally, I think you're probably right about them not quite being at the level they should have been at while he was there. But the difference is, do you, do you know what do you know what Arthur Smith's going to bring? I, I don't know that we do know that he did well at the Titans, but. There's been a laundry list of good OCs that have gone on to be head coaches and not not done a great deal. So it'll be interesting to see how that one goes. What about you, Jamie? The, you, you openly professed to hate them earlier, so I'm not expecting an impartial view here, but what are we thinking of the, of the Falcons? Out of the other three teams, I prefer the Falcons over the Panthers and the Saints. So I'd like to see them do well. Like to, they, they do have a good team. I don't understand why they choke so much. It's fun to watch, don't get me wrong. <laughs> like they're, they're winning so many games and choking. I was just having a look at some stats because I'm pretty sure, like, um, they have the most, like, the best kicker in the league. So what does that say? Like, if they've got the best kicker in the league, they can't finish games. And I, I was having a look at their red zone percentage: fifty-three point four five percent of their end zones of their red zone coverage ended in touchdowns. So they're kicking it too much and obviously getting points with the three points. Uh, Carolina are actually below that as well, strangely enough. And then, like I said, the books are 11th, New Orleans were fifth when it comes to red zone percentages. So maybe they need that power of cow pits in there, that big tight end to try and hopefully get them across that threshold and get these catches in the end zone. Like, books had Gronk for example or Mike Evans you, you knew in the red zone you're going to Mike Evans because you know he is going to catch that ball they didn't really have that player like Julio Jones I think he's quite similar to Tyreek Hill like if you're on your own 20 yard zone you'd throw it and you know he's probably going to run about 60 yards and maybe get a touchdown that way but in the red zone they were awful mm. So yeah, he, he never really became that that red zone threat. He was always kind of perpetrated to be one, especially when he was drafted. But I don't think he ever became a consistent red zone guy. No, you're right. He was all he was always a between the twenties guy. And I think yeah. I, I know in fantasy football, 
you'd be wary about picking Julio Jones because he doesn't get touchdowns. And I don't mm. know if it's because they don't throw him the ball enough or it's because he doesn't get touchdowns, you know? Mm, it's an odd one, isn't it? And I was, uh, I'm pretty sure as well, um, Matt Ryan did have, did throw the most yards last season, if I'm, yeah, if I'm correct. Yeah. This is what I mean. So they, they threw the most yards, yet they are the seventh worst performing team in the red zone. Yeah. So it shows you they can get the, the yards, but they can't finish them off. If they can't finish them off, then what are they going to do? So Kyle Pitts hopefully is going to come in and save that for them and give that red zone presence there so they can change these kicks into into sixes, threes to sixes or sevens, hopefully, with your kicker as well. So, And that was the thing. They were winning games and then throwing them away. Yeah. So if you change That's bad coaching. That's bad yeah. coaching. That's why I think moving on from Dan Quinn, that point you made there, Jamie, they were winning games and they threw it away. That's bad coaching. That's bad coaching. That, like, that, that's that's why Dan Quinn's not their head coach anymore. Mm. And that's why they've still got Matt Ryan at quarterback because they know it's not his fault. Like you said, the guy's a leading yards drop in the NFL. You're not blaming him. You're looking at Dan Quinn and you're going, he's putting you in the position to win. You're the coach, go friggin' win it. And he's not. And that's why I think, I don't think they're as bad as their record suggests. I think their coach was as bad as what it suggested. Do you know what I mean, Jamie? And Falcons finished bottom four for four for twelve. They were last season. Yeah. I, I think that's. I think it'll be totally with the most this, yeah. thrown yards. Yeah, I, th- I think I think Mark's one hundred percent right. I was going to mention that. I do think a lot of their trouble in the red zone did come down to just the just none of the right plays. Like it just something was not right. And I do, I think you're one hundred percent right. To say it's not the players in this situation. All right, Julio's not the biggest touchdown scorer in the world, but. There are other players in that team that could have been scoring touchdowns quite happily, and they like say they weren't scoring as often as they should. And I think a lot of that does, like Mark said, it's, it's just decision making, it's, it's play calling, it's it's why it's why Arthur Smith is now here, and I think that system will. I I think that system stands the chance to do much better in the red zone. Like I think Shanahan's system will be better there than whatever system was in place before. Because who knows what that system was? Apparently, one where we throw games all the time. Um, that's, that's, it's, that's the Totten- it's, it's the Tottenham system. You just joke <laughs> and throw it away. Ah, okay. I mean, I mean they, they, they did try to sort of ape the Shanahan system after he left. They obviously came to us. They had, I think, Steve Sarkeesian was the OC the first year. Who's now? I don't know where he is now. Actually, I think he's back in college now. Um, you know. They tried to keep it going for a while, and then I don't really. They kind of fell into a bit of a bit of a quagmire. They were just a nothing offense, really. Neither one thing nor the other. Just a very volume, as you say. Ryan's thrown for a lot of yards, but it's very volume passing. It's not like you know. To me, there's nothing hugely impressive about what they've been doing. They're not explosive. They just and a lot of the time as well. Although they do have a propensity to throw games away, they were playing catch up in a lot of games as well. So that defense was absolute shite. Like in almost every game I saw, they were they were bad. Um, so that's going to be the the key. But I mean, it's one of those things. They'll be a harder team to play next year. I think. I think that's probably the key. We, we talked about a few teams like that. 
said the Lions were a bit like that as well this year. They're going to be a, a tougher team for people to play, and that can help you. And certainly when they're in the Georgia Dome, if fans are back, I think it'll make a yeah, you know, I think that'll make a difference as well. So I, I'm guessing then Bones overall summation. You you don't have them winning the division, but you think they might sneak a wild card maybe. I, I think they're I think they're a definite chance of second place out of this division easily. Definitely. Like Matt Ryan is the second best quarterback in this division now, without a shadow of the doubt. They are gonna be a passing team this year. They are gonna be scoring touchdowns. Like and maybe the defense looks better. Mark did make some good points about they do have some names on that defense. It is weird that it didn't work as well as it should have done. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not ruling out that the defense looks as bad as it did this year and that they are their all their wins are predicated on just scoring as many points as physically <laughs> possible. Um but I think I think they do stand a chance of doing that. So yeah, second, I have, I, I, I'm, I think second is fair. I think they'll be an entertaining watch either way. I yeah. think, I think, I yeah. think it'll be good to see them this year. Hopefully, they get yeah. back to somewhere close to the best. It'll make the division more interesting. That's for sure. Okay, well, team number three in the division. Um, I'm going to hand over to uh, Carolina's newest fan, Mark Steele. <laughs> what, what you got on the Panthers, Mark? I know you're a big fan of what they've been doing. I just love them. I just love the Panthers. I, you know, if I was coming into the NFL now as a fan and I was trying to pick a franchise to follow, I would just follow the Carolina Panthers. They're just so... David Tepper is such a good owner who's coming. He's got oodles of cash. Jamie's left because he's took a huff. They've got oodles of cash. You know, they've got Matt Rule, who's just such a, a brilliant head coach. And it's rare that because you look at his first season and you go, but he wasn't that brilliant. But I just love the guy. I just love them. They've got a really good offensive coordinator and Joe Brady. I like Snow, who's their defensive coordinator. Admittedly, he hadn't, didn't have many parts to work with. But they finished 17th ranked in defense last year with very little talent on that defensive side of the ball. Very young kind of defense. Um, and I just think that I was just so up for Carolina. It's just so up. Let's go back over their draft classes of the last few years. Um, you know, I, I follow the draft and I always have a few players who are my guys. And I tell you what, the Carolina Panthers always bloody take them. You know what I mean? Though? So, <laughs> Brian Burns, yeah, we took um, Cleve Ferrell as number four. I love Brian Burns. I was like, you know, if I'm taking any edge number four and I'm not taking both, the only one I'm considering is Brian Burns. He's fast. He's got good bend. He'll get the quarterback. And we saw that in his second year. We saw him developing that edge rushing presence, you know what I mean? Then last year, I loved Derek Brown. You know, I guess who they took? They took Derek Brown again, you know what I mean? They took this guy who can play three tech, one tech, five tech. He can hold up in the run. He can push the pocket and push the passer. He's, he's athletic for his size. He's not going to let anybody down. And, and he started coming on towards the back in the air. I love Jeremy Chin. They only went and took Jeremy Chin in the second round. I said he's a safety, but really he's a box. He's 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 a he's a matchup linebacker. He'll play as many saps and linebacker as he will at strong safety. Let him rush the passer. Let him be a bit doing James. Let him be a bit Jamal Adams, but also let him be a little bit Dion Buchanan and let him be an undersized, you know, like linebacker. And and they did. You know, I love Jeremy Chin. They seem to be drafting really well because they seem to be following my advice. <laughs> what they're doing basically is they're taking my guys and it's paying off for them. And they've done it again this year. If anybody will remember, I released a draft in the middle of the season. 
it wasn't even the middle of the season. I think it was before week eight, before the you know free agency. And I said, Joe Horn. And I put him for your team, John, the 49ers. And I yeah, went, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I went, should he be picked this high? I don't know, but he's my guy and I don't give a shit. So I get a slot on where I want because this is my mock draft. <laughs> and I put him in the top 15 at San Francisco 49ers. And that was at about week six. Well, actually, it seems I actually uh, underappreciate him because he got, he got drafted top 10. And he was yeah. the first corner off the board. I, f- I love Joe Horn. I love Joe Horn. He's the kind of smack you in the mouth, man corner that you want in today's NFL. Because he's going to get beaten, but you know what? He's going to come back with attitude the next play and not give a fuck. And that's what you need in the NFL as corners these days because you can't cover everybody 100% of the time. You've got to be able to dust yourself up and get yourself back on it and get back in that opposing player's grill and hit him in the very next play. And Joe Horn is feisty. And... You know, that defence really struggled in pass coverage last year, despite lining up in press coverage as much as much as it did. And that's what they were missing, a man coverage corner. And they went and got the best man coverage corner in the draft. He may not be as refined as Patrick Sertain. He may not be as athletic as Caleb Farley. But he's a proper, in-your-grill man coverage corner. Love, love that selection. Love Joe Horn. You know, he, he, he played against... If you want to know what John Horn is, go watch his tape for South Carolina against Auburn and watch what he did against, you know, Seth Williams and all them against Auburn. You know what I mean? He, 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 he was outstanding. I think he had two picks that game. He locked down a big receiver. He was in his face every single snap. You know what I mean? And that's what you're going to see from Joe Horn in the NFL. I like their second-round pick, Terrence Mitchell. Um, Terrence Marshall, sorry. Uh, the wide receiver from LSU. Why do I like it so much? Because Joe Brady was in LSU. Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers, gets a five-star prospect who he's coached before. And if anybody's going to know what to do with Terrence Marshall Jr., it's going to be Joe Brady. Um, He's going to line up an ex-receiver. I presume that uh, Robbie Anderson is going to be a Z receiver. And DJ Moore is going to alternate between Y and Z and X. I really like what they've got on their wide receiver package. They had two wide receivers who got over a thousand yards last year in Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. And they've just thrown a five star prospect in Terrence Marshall in the mix. If anybody doesn't know what X, what's the difference between an X, Y, and Z receiver? I'll tell you now. The Z receiver is traditionally called the flanker. They're normally the fastest receiver on the team. They can go in motion. If you can go in motion, it means you can see what kind of coverage you're in. If you go in motion and the defender follows you, the corner follows you, you know you're in man coverage. If you go in motion and that corner stays still, you know you're in zone coverage. So your Z receiver, your flanker, is normally one like, you know, like who can be speed down the field, but also has the ability to run shallow routes and across the field and stuff. I'm presuming DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson are going to play those two positions. Your X receiver, what's the difference between an X receiver? Your X receiver is tied to the line of scrimmage. You've got to have seven players lining up on the line of scrimmage, each offensive snap. Otherwise, it's a it's a it's a illegal formation. So you, you you're presuming that your offensive line is going to be five of those, and your tight end's going to be one. Then you look at and then you go, okay, then well, the next one's going to be our X receiver. What does an X receiver have to be good at? 
Well, because they're tied to the line of scrimmage, they're going to continually see often cornerback press coverage because you can get jammed at the line of scrimmage. They can have their hands on you straight away. You don't have that cushion of getting up. So you're going to have to be big. You're going to have to be strong. You're going to have to have an ability to be able to have that pace to be bumped to the sideline and still run up. You're going to have to get open early. You're going to have to get off press coverage. It's normally the number one wide receiver on any offense that traditionally plays the X. And that's what Terrence Marshall will be. He's strong. He's six foot three. He's fast. He's big bodied. You know, you let, let Robbie Anderson and let DJ Moore feast on number two receivers, bearing in mind they both have 1,000 yard receiving seasons. And let this guy take on the press coverage. Let this guy be the press coverage. Your wide receiver is your slot. It's either your tight end is your wide receiver, or if you're playing with three wide receiver sets, it's your slot. And they're going to play in the slot position. So that's your X, Y, and Z receiver. Just in case anybody wanted to know that. So Terrence Marshall is going to be your X. Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore are going to be your Z and your Y. They haven't really got a tight end. They don't really need one. They've got Ian Thomas and Dan Arnold, who they brought across from Carolina, from the Cardinals. I can't. I think they're going to line up in three wide receiver sets more often than not. They've got Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. We all know what a threat he can be with the ball in his hands. And the drafted Tuba Hubbard, who is going to be a little bit in the receiving game, a little bit in the running game. We know he's not going to be a starter because McCaffrey's there. It's a bit like what we are talking about earlier on with you, Jamie. Can this guy come on the field and not give defences a rest when Christian McCaffrey's there? And Tuba Hubbard's going to keep the defence honest. You know, he had a really good career at Oklahoma State. He hasn't got breakaway speed, but he's got good hands. He can pass block. He can churn four to five yards of run. Three of them is going to be a first down every single time. And he can catch the ball and he can keep it on a receiver. So, you know, like, I like what they're building. I just like the direction that they're going in. I suppose the big gamble is they traded for Sam Donald when theoretically they could have stayed put and took one of these quarterbacks. Might have been Mac Jones. Probably would have been Mac Jones, to be honest with you. Although they would have had a shot at Justin Fields as well. Is Sam Donald and Joe Horn a better deal than Justin Fields? You know, we've got to think, is Sam Donald, what have we seen at Sam Donald at the Jets? You know, is he is he as good as what people said he was coming out? Or is it because he had Adam Gaze? I mean, we saw what Ryan Tannehill's done when he moved away from Adam Gaze and what he's become. And I think that Matt Rule, who is an offensive-minded coach, and Joe Brady, who's going to be a head coach in the next year, if not two, are going to be looking and they're going to go, we back ourselves to get the best out of Sam Donald. We back ourselves to get what other teams haven't got out of them. They've certainly got the credentials to do it. Um, Yeah, so Sam Donald, that's the biggest question. That's the biggest question on this, you know, on this roster. Have we seen what that Sam Donald really is or have, have we not? And are we, and are we going to see what he really is under Matt Rule and under Joe Brady? Outside of that, I really like the direction that they're going in. Um, they were in rebuild when they got brought in. And look, no, there's no expectations on this team. I just like the direction that they're going. I think they've got good balance. I think they've got good balance. I like their defensive line. I like the offensive line. They brought Cameron Irvin over from the Dallas Cowboys. He'll start left tackle. 
They brought back Tyler Morton on the franchise tag. He's one of the better right tackles in the in the NFL. They drafted Braden, Brady, Braden Christensen from BYU, who was protecting Zach Wilson. He could potentially be their future left tackle. You know, they've got Matt Paradis, who's at centre. He's a steady player. You know, they've got Pat Elflin, who was a high draft pick for the Vikings and who looks better as a guard than he did as a centre. You know, he's in there. And I look at this team and I think they're young, but they're already showing what they can be. You know, they're already a defence that was led by young players. Brian Burns, Derek Brown, Utah Gross, Matt Oss, um, the corner, who are, um, Jackson, the corner Jackson, who they got from LSU a few years back. He was good. They got another corner, Tony Pride from Notre Dame last year, who played more snaps at corner than I think anybody anticipated. He's going to be better for that. He's going to be a better player for that experience. They've now brought in Joe Horn. They've got Jeremy Chin. You look on the offensive side. Two wide receivers have got 1,000 yards, and now you're throwing in Terrence Marshall Jr., who was a five-star prospect. You know, and, you've, and you've got Christian McCaffrey, and you've got a decent offensive line. I just like how they're building I just like everything about them top to bottom. They're really a, they're really good franchise to follow. And if I was going to be an NFL fan today, I would be picking the Carolina Panthers. They're my second favourite team. You know, like, obviously, I'm an Auburn fan and I had Cam Newton. Um, you know, like, so it's hard not to love them. You know what I mean? Or for me, at least anyway, because Cam Newton was there. And I loved him at Auburn. He was brilliant for Auburn. Um yeah, it's, they, 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 it just makes us wish I was a Carolina Panthers fan. The truth be told, like, <laughs> oh man, I mean, what could you say to that, really? Uh, I, I, you know, I, I think you think you're right, Mark. I think when when teams are in the position that Carolina have been in, all you can ask is that things start looking like they're heading the right way. We've talked about a few franchises. I don't think we've, other than the Texans last week, I don't think we've been overly negative on any of them. And on a lot of the ones that are being rebuilt, we've said, yeah, they're heading in the right direction. I think Carolina is very much like that, but they're heading there quite quickly. And I think they're quite an exciting team. You know, good head coach, as you said, good offensive coordinator and some great pieces on offense. The big question, as you rightly pointed out, is QB. Um, I personally thought the move they made with Donald was a, an interesting one because I think the banking on being able to get a guy and being able to turn that guy into a top 10 QB at a fraction of the price of what it would normally cost to get hold of a top 10 QB. We've seen what the trade market is for QBs this offseason. The Niners going up to the three pick, you know, the suggested trades for Rodgers, the suggested trades for Watson before his issues. And, um, and you know, like, We've seen what that market is. If you can get a guy like Darnold, who was thought by many to be the top quarterback in that year's draft, the year he was drafted, if you if you're getting him for a second round pick and you trust your coaching staff to make him the player that everyone thinks he can be, why the hell wouldn't you do it? So a little bit like the Carson Wentz thing, except Wentz is a little bit more behind him. But like, I think there is a lot of logic to that move. But it will determine how far they go. I think. I think it will determine how good they are. Um, but even if it doesn't work out with him, they've not given up so much that they can't take a swing at QB next year or in future years, or maybe even acquire someone like Watson, like Rogers. You know, they have the capability to do that if they want to do that. Um, no, I, I really, really like what they're doing, and they'll be a fun team to watch as well if that offense clicks. 
there's so much athletic talent there. Um, and defense, yeah, you mentioned Joe Horn. Um, not is it? Yeah, it's yeah. Horn is a you know is a it's JC Horn, isn't it? Joe Horn's his dad, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew that didn't sound right when I said it out loud. Yeah, um, I, I like you. I had him going to the Niners before we did the before we did the trade up. I thought he was a perfect fit for our defense. But as you also say, he's a perfect fit for a lot of defenses. A lot of teams play this physical um, style now, you know, and I think he fits perfectly into that. I think he'll give him a real nasty edge. Um, let's let's come to you, Bones, because I think you've got a point to make about Donald. I'll go. I'll go to you first. I'll come back to you, Mark, as well. I the all I, I just wanted to briefly touch on Donald because. I think it bears it bears thinking about how young this guy came into the league and what team he went to. I think the people who say, "Oh, I'm not sold on Donald going to the Panthers," I think I think they're being foolish and short sighted. To be honest, I think Donald is actually stands the chance of being a really good quarterback. You got to remember, this guy's the same age as Joe Burrow, who came into the league last year as the best quarterback in the draft and went to the Bengals. And Bengals fans are very excited about Joe Burrow's future. But they are the same age. Those two players are the same age. And Donald's already got three years under him in the league at this point, playing for the Jets of all teams, like arguably the worst franchise in the league throughout all of history, other than us. Like, so, you know, I just I just think is is. It's just, I don't think he's going to be as bad as everyone thinks he is. I think he had a rough time at the Jets, but I still think he didn't look that bad. He still had a 3,000-year, like, all right, it's not amazing, but he had 4,000 years in college. He threw a lot of touchdowns. Yeah, I, I just think Donald's been slept on. No, I think that's a really good point. I think that's a really good point, and I think, I think you know, I like what they did later on in the draft as well. Just, I forgot to touch on what they did later on in the draft. You know, like they drafted uh, Deontay Brown, who many of us will know as the big-bodied guard who played for um, Alabama, you know, that Alabama offense. You know, like he he's he's never going to be a pull-and-move guard, but he's going to hit who's in front of him. He's a very good inner phone booth blocker. And, you know, like, and those kind of players stick around and make rosters in the NFL. And if you're picking them up, in the, you know, in the later rounds, like they did, you know what I mean, though? You know, I, th- I think they got him in, in in round four or maybe round five. You know what I mean? Um, actually, I just checked. We just got him in round six. You know, when you're picking players like that in round six, you're normally going, wow, that's a really good pick. He can make a roster, and I wouldn't be surprised if he starts. You know, what I was impressed with was one of their um, – the wheel at the attack, the bottom end of the draft. They got Davion Nixon from Iowa, who was a three-tech. And he was getting some first-round buzz. And I'm not too sure that they really needed the defensive tackle, but they went, ah, he's there. We're going to take him anyway. You know, knowing that defensive lines are rotated and you keep players fresh and all that kind of stuff. And they've got Derek Brown, but now they've got Davion Nixon on that depth chart as well. And he he's he's a decent three-tech, you know. Uh, Keith Taylor, the big lad out of Washington, he's another big-bodied press cover corner that they got, and they got him in round five. You know, and I like, I like teams that just go... Let's throw picks at big areas of need. Jamie's team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, done this. You know, like they threw, they, they must have thrown multiple picks at mid-round cornerbacks over the last few years, and it's paid off for them. You know what I mean? It paid off for them, and they've, they've got some starters out of those picks. Like, you know what I mean? You know, they got Carlton Davis. You know, they got Jamel Dean. 
You know, the, the, these were kids who were throwing picks at the end of at the end of the drafts and stuff like that. Sean Bunton Murphy. You know what I mean? Though they were finding these players in the middle, late rounds as corners, and you know, Keith Taylor, he could be one of those. He he's a, he was a big bodied Jamal Dean type of press cover corner at Washington. Not really fast, but big. You know what I mean? Big, six foot three, big. You know, big smothering cornerback, bit like Jamal Dean at Tampa Bay. And you know, like, and, and what's the risk? What's the risk in round five and just going? He's got a body type. I've seen that do well in our division across at Tampa. You took a guy like this, and Jamel Dean's been a terrific corner for Tampa. You know, Sean Bunton Murphy, you know what I mean, has been another good player. And they're going, well, we've just seen them win the Super Bowl using this. Let's adopt it. And let's just throw picks at areas of need. You know what I mean, though? And it's like, I like, I just like the way they've attacked it. I just like them two picks, Deontay Brown and um, Keith Taylor's late flyers. I just like them. I wouldn't be surprised if they stick on a lost and do something well for them as well, you know? Yeah, I think corner is a very hard position to get right, and it's a very expensive position too. If, if you've got a top player at corner, you're spending a lot of your cap generally on keeping them there. So if you can hit on somebody in the later rounds that can become an effective starter for you, you're making a net gain there salary cap-wise. You could spend that money somewhere else. Even if you only get them for the rookie contract, even the late round picks sign four year deals. So you're gonna control that for four years. You're gonna you know, you're gonna get four good years out of them potentially. Um I think it's I think you're right. I think they've you know, they take they seem to take chances on athletes down the board, guys that fit the profile of what they want at that position. It might not mean they run the fastest or whatever, but they do what the team needs them to do. Um, I think, yeah, I agree. I think they've drafted really well. They look like a sensibly put together team right now. Um, be interesting to see where they end up. I think they're potentially a contender for this division. Um, what about you, Jamie? I think I actually think I misspoke earlier. I think you said you hated the Panthers, not the Falcons. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, to be fair, I, I don't hate a lot of stuff. There's only one team in like the whole of football I hate in the world, and I'm talking soccer. And surprisingly, that's Celtic. Like, I, I, that's the only <laughs> team I despise in the world. I'm half Scottish, so all my family are Rangers fans. I'm a Liverpool fan as well. But I don't, I don't hate Man United. I don't hate Everton. I dislike them, but I did like I loathe Celtic. Only team I hate. Like, I want, I want teams to do well. I want people from our division to it everyone hates me when i'm like when i'm like i want english teams to do well in europe i have no rivalry there i want it to be right i want an nfc south team to win the super bowl to prove we're the best division so <laughs> i don't know I, i'm weird like that i don't know why but ideally i want it to be the books but panthers are a completely different breed when it comes to christian mccaffrey without mccaffrey they're nothing it don't matter how many weapons you've got McCaffrey is the Panthers. If there's no McCaffrey, there's no Panthers. It's simple. You saw that last season. I would argue that Teddy Bridgewater. Because you had two 1,000-yard receivers there. That's rare that you have two 1,000-yard receivers. And I just mm -hmm. think it was Teddy Bridgewater. They needed to find somebody who was a little bit better than Teddy Bridgewater. And I think they've rolled the dice on Donald and think, let's go up with Lance on the six. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like I said, McCaffrey in that backfield is going to give him a little bit more stability. So you're not having to rely on the pass all the time. And you've got McCaffrey, who is pretty steady. I know I watched him play the books in London and he ran all over us. 
So I've, I've seen it firsthand, unfortunately. He is an unbelievable player. And this is why he is the number one overall draft pick in all of fantasy football because he is one of the greatest fantasy football players. You know he's definitely getting your points, whether that's receiving or rushing. He, he is a different breed. I think he's one of those players that's quite talismanic, isn't he? He's, he is important to them. No matter how many good players they get, he's still going to be sort of the barometer of how far they go. I think a few teams have players like that, but it's definitely stood out with the Panthers. Um, what a player he is, by the way. I watched him back at Stanford all those years ago. Mm. So, so player to watch. Yeah. I mean, you look back a few years ago, I think 2015, 2014, they were 15-1, and one, the Panthers. 15 and a one. Mm. And now look at him. Don't you just love to see it? <laughs> hey, I wouldn't get too smug, mate, because if I was back in the team in three years' time to be the champions of this team and to win it for the next decade in a row, I'd be back in the Panthers to be that team. Well, yeah. I think I think what you are seeing now is they're doing the things that got them where they got to in 2014, 2015, drafting smartly getting good athletes and building it around a good head coach and a good staff of assistants, that's the bit that got lost somewhere in the middle. I don't quite know what, you know, I don't quite know what happened in the interim period, but clearly something got a bit lost. But I think they're, uh, I think they're coming along quite nicely. It's the, best thing, it's the best thing about NFL, though, isn't it? Like, you always have these dips. You'll have these great forms, dips, great forms, dips, great forms. It happens. I, I mean, granted, some are longer than others, unfortunately, Bones, but, you know. It's always got to happen, doesn't it? It's always got to happen. Do you, know, do you know what I do worry about? I do worry about how this team are going to be when they lose somebody like Joe Brady. That guy's ready to be a head coach. I'm quite surprised it wasn't this year already after what he did with LSU and Joe Burrow. Obviously, he was on the same staff, so he's been well coached and well taught by uh, Sean Payton. He went to LSU and did well. He came across last year and had two 1,000-yard wide receivers and ran a decent offense without Christian McCaffrey in the team. The guy's young. He's going to be a head coach probably at the end of this year. And I think a bit like Todd Bowles coming back for Tampa Bay Buccaneers, was Joe Brady coming back for the Panthers, the best off-season move that happened for them? You know, was, was, was keeping him and Matt Rule together for at least another season. You know, was that was that the best move for them? I think it probably was. I really love Joe Brady. It's hard not to like him. Also, what he did with LSU and Joe Burrow when they won the national championship and they had, you know, like Jamar Chase and Terrence Marshall Jr. and Justin Jefferson. And, you know, there, there, there's there, there's two of those wide receivers in our round one picks. The other one went round two. And Joe Burrow, the quarterback, was a number one pick overall. When at one point he wasn't even thought of as a draftable quarterback. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it. I think he rose so far so quickly, didn't he? Under under Brady, like yeah. And I think like if if Sam Donald's going to be their quarterback, which, which they've put the eggs in the Donald basket, he better freaking keep his ears open and listen to everything that Joe Brady's telling them this year. Because I won't bank on him being there next year. Like he'll be a, he'll be a head coach somewhere, you know. I think he turned down some opportunities this off season, didn't he? I'm sure. I'm sure he's looked with a couple and decided against it. Pretty, I was going to say I thought I heard that he had interviewed for something or had at least been offered interviews by people, but it said he didn't want them. Hmm. But, yeah. 
I, I think Mark's right. I think he deserves it. I think he deserves a head coaching job and probably will have one very, very soon. He's young. Yeah. He's young. He's 31 years of age. And he's going to be like Sean McVeigh, Kyle Shanahan type he comes in when he decides to be a head coach, which is going to be on his terms. I think I think many franchises would love to have him. I think most of them will be requesting interviews with him. He'll be 32 yeah. at the end of the season. He's going to be the next wave of young head coaches, Sean McVeigh, Kyle Shanahan types like, you know. You know, yeah. I look I, I look at what um do you know where I think you'll end up? And this is just a little prediction. I can see him ending up in um in Arizona with the Cardinals. I can see I can yeah. see that Arizona Cardinals moving on and deciding to move on a head coach. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think they've got a really good yeah. offense. They've got Kyle Murray. You know what I mean? And I think they'll move on. I think they'll move on. Um, and I think that what they'll do is, is they'll go, Cliff Kings, we brought you in to work with Kyla Murray. We've given you DeAndre Hopkins. We've given you Kyla Murray. We've got all these tools here, and you're yet to make a Super Bowl push, or you're yet really to make a playoff push. We'll move you off this year. And I think Joe Brady in Arizona could be really, really, really dangerous for the NFC West, you know? <laughs> I could see that because Kingsbury, I mean, I've made my thoughts clear on Kingsbury in the past. He's not not a very good head coach. And I think there will be a point where Arizona have to decide how they take that next step. And I think Brady could pretty much call his shot there if he wants a job and it's available. Someone will give it to him, especially if he continues to develop the Panthers at the rate that he is. I guess we'll move on to Team 4 then, um, which is, I seem to always end up with the last team, but I think that's because I keep choosing good ones. I've got new, well, I had the Texans last week, actually, so I'd like to just withdraw that statement. But uh, I've got New Orleans this week. And, um, God, I mean, I feel like with New Orleans, there's always a lot to like. I think they have one of the best head coaches in the NFL, whether people like him personally or not is a different matter. I, I personally, I don't like his demeanor. I think he's an entitled brat, but he's a hell of a head coach and he produces offense out of nothing. Now, he's going to have to do that this year. I'll come on to that in a second. But I, I still like what they do. I said, I said on one of the draft podcasts that a lot of the time the Saints do some weird stuff in the draft that doesn't quite make sense. Peyton Turner in round one, higher than people had him, I think. He was an early second, I think, on most people's boards, maybe a mid-second. Ended up going late first. I don't hate it. If you're that good a team and you're picking that late in the draft, you can you can pretty much get the guy that you want. And the problem is, if you're if you like somebody that's kind of on the on the verge of the second round, you can't guarantee that they're going to be there when you pick again. The next pick was 60. So I mean, you know, there was a good 30 to, you know. A good gap there between that pick and the next one. And I, I don't think Peyton Turner would have been there. I do think drafting Peyton Turner is a good pick. I think when you look at their their options on the edge, they've got Cameron Jordan, who's played a long time in the league now, probably isn't going to play for a ton more years. But I think it speaks to the failure of picking Marcus Davenport a couple of years ago. And they actually traded up to get him. Um, gave an extra first up, which doesn't seem to have panned out. I think he's got a chance to turn it around, but you can clearly see the thinking ahead there. Didn't mind that pick. I think when you look at the Saints, you, you automatically think it feels like every year it's like, oh, the defence just isn't quite good enough. It's not quite there. You know, they do give up a lot of points. They have given up a lot of points. Um, 
in the past. So they seem to go defense a lot in the draft. Maybe this one will pan out. I quite like him as a player. You know, I think he'll he'll make an impact. They're not going to have him play it every down to start off with. I think if he can provide a couple of sacks and a bit of burst off the edge, they've gained something from it. Um, I like the second round pick, Pete Werner, because when I look at that linebacker room, I ain't seen a lot to be excited about, to be honest with you. Demario Davis has been in the league a long time. He's a decent player, but I don't see a lot else that I, that I really like there. So I can see why they've gone for Pete Werner. He tested a bit better than he than he actually is. I think athletically, his, his test, you know, his, his 40 and his explosiveness were all pretty good. Don't know what he's... He didn't seem like that on the field to me, but big college program guy, started fairly consistently. I think he'll slot right in. I think he'll be a day one starter. And if you can get that at pick 60, I think, you you know, you, you're on the road to something good there. Um, Adebo, the corner at Stanford in the third round. He was like a guy. Him. What's that? So I liked him. Yeah, me too. I had him as a Niners pick because obviously the, the, the Bay Area connection, I had him pretty high on the, on, on my board for like the third round. So I like that pick and they always seem to be looking for DBs. They've obviously got Latimore. Patrick Robinson's on the other side. It's never really, I don't know. They, they always seem to add a DB every year, it feels like. And some of them pan out, some of them don't. A bit like the defensive ends, I guess. They always seem to be drafting defense. You look at some of this and it's like, it's mostly defense. I, I know they kind of went away from that a little bit later on in the draft, but a lot of the previous drafts, it's been, they, they like drafting O-line, which shows because their O-line is a real strength of the team. And they like drafting defense, which isn't. So I don't quite know what's going on with the scouts in there. But yeah, I like that pick. Uh, Ian Book in the fourth round, that was an interesting one. He he was he was all over people's boards. I, I, I think he was largely seen as a mid-round pick. I saw some have him in the second, some have him in the third. Some have him in the fourth and some have him as low as the seventh. So I, I don't think there was a real consensus on how good this guy was. I will say that if I was trusting one coach in the NFL, beyond my team's coach probably, I might regret saying that if Trey Lance busts out, but if I was trusting one coach in the NFL to pick a quarterback, I think I'd choose Sean Payton. Because I think even if he doesn't choose the most talented QB, I think he'll get something out of them, which is going to bring me on to a later point. Um, But yeah, Ian Buck, he's not going to, he ain't going to be a day one starter. He's probably not. He may never be a starter. He may just be a good backup. But I like what they've done bringing him in. I think it's somebody that Peyton can work with, see if he can get something out of. The other guys he's got there, you know, we'll talk about that in a sec, but there's some interesting contract situations there between Hill and Winston. So I can see why he's sort of trying to plan for the future. And I, I, I kind of believe in the philosophy that if you draft a QB every year, you can develop a backup or you can develop somebody that may become a starter and it does save you some money because even backup QBs now are going for a lot of money. People like Mariota um, to the Raiders, people like Glennon back in the day. You know, they, these are these are prime positions and also like the, it's often said that there's 32 franchises and about 32 good quarterbacks but you give yourself a hell of a lot more chance if you're spending time to develop some you know some mid-round guys that have got some talent the the slightly interesting pick i don't know how much impact they'll have in year one because they have a pretty crowded receiver room he may not even make the roster but i liked a lot of what i saw of his tape was the uh Kawan baker the receiver out of south alabama he's, he's gone in the seventh because he plays for south alabama you know, his, his measurables are good. His tape's pretty good. And 
they have a habit of finding these players, the Saints, you know, kind of late in drafts from smaller schools. I think back to like Marquise Colston out of Hofstra. I mean, who the hell gets drafted out of Hofstra? You know, like that's such a rare thing. South Alabama probably have more players drafted than I, than I might realize, but it's still not a, it's not a prestigious school. It's a small school guy. I don't know. I'd be interested to see if he makes the roster. I think he's got some explosive this term, and I know Peyton likes that in his receivers. Um, overall, looking at the roster, I mean, I already said some of the some of the weaknesses. Most of it's defense. The linebacker room isn't brilliant. The DB room is okay. I think they're hoping for a Debo to come in and play pretty well from the from the off. Um, but I, there's a lot of experience back there as well. People like Malcolm Jenkins that have played a number of years in the league. So there's some savvy there, and I think they'll be good enough. I think that's you know we talked about the the Panthers defense earlier. If your offense is good enough, if you can get it into the mid-range on defense, if you're not a complete dumpster fire, you'll be fine. You know, I think that's it. And I think the Saints have traditionally been quite good at that. Of course, the issue that they're going to have this year, the big issue for me, they're always contenders while Sean Payton is in the head coaching chair because he's that good a coach. I think he can get, I think he can coach five wins a year, no matter what his squad is. Now, the rest is dependent on how good his team is. The issue I have, and it will be no surprise to anybody that's ever heard me talk about, well, quarterbacks in general, specifically these ones, is the quarterback room. I, I mean, Ian Book we talked about, Trevor Seaman is a... Trevor Seaman? That can't be right. <laughs> I don't know if I can pronounce that name, but, you know, he's, he's a lifetime backup. I imagine he might make the roster, you know, but then you've got Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. It's a hell of a drop. I mean, no matter what you think of Winston or Taysom Hill, it's a massive drop from Drew Brees. It's a monumental drop from Drew Brees. That's fair. Drew Brees Brees has been at the top of his game for I don't even know how many years. Going back to like the Chargers days, it's probably about 15 years. And the other thing is he identifies so clearly with New Orleans, you know, he is he has been the face of that franchise. He was the first big name to go there post Katrina, helped them rebuild and arguably took them to a Super Bowl. It's a big drop off. There has to be a decision who starts there. I think I think there's a tendency to go with Winston because he's the pro style QB. Um I don't know if that's the right way to go. I will be interested to see what they do there. And I'll, I'll get you guys' views on that in a second. But I'll be interested to see what they do there. Because you could you could say that, you know, that Hill can stay as a gadget player and they'll still get some good stuff out of him. Taysom Hill is a tremendous athlete. Like, I love watching him play. He has some exciting plays. Can he be an every-down quarterback? Can he start every game? I don't know. They tried it last year. He did okay. He's got the right coach if they want to turn him into that type of player, but I don't know how much of that he's got in him. Um, I enjoy his contract. I enjoy the Saints' efforts to have an elastic salary cap every year. I think it's. Uh, I think they might be one of the best cap management teams in sports with how they keep getting away with it. They've been consistently over the cap for years, but seem to find a way out of it. Winston is still the guy that was at Tampa for me. I think he will benefit from being coached by Peyton. I think he will improve. I don't think he'll improve enough. He's never, unfortunately, at this point, Winston is never going to be that franchise quarterback type 
he, he was he had a couple of good years in Tampa and then I don't really know what happened to his game. He was still throwing touchdowns, but he seemed to be making more and more errors. And unfortunately that's outweighed his his good good points now. Um if Peyton can coach the errors out of him, yeah, maybe there's something there, but it's quite a high risk offense. So I'm not seeing that. I think he'll go with Winston because I think he'll see the talent that obviously is there. I'm not never I don't think I've ever said he's an untalented player. You know, he was a, he was a number one pick for a reason, you know, and things like that. But he'll he'll look at him, he'll see the arm talent and he'll see the sort of like the excited side of Winston and think, yeah, I can get ten wins out of that. How the Saints season goes will depend on if he's right about that, ultimately. I, I or what he does with if he starts Taysom Hill, how good a quarterback can he make Taysom Hill? We know he's a good athlete. How good a quarterback can he make him? And whatever the answer is to either of those questions is going to determine where they are. They could take a big fall this year because the Panthers are coming up. The Falcons, we think, are, you know, potentially if they get things in the right place, are a 8-9 win team, probably. You know, the, the Panthers are coming up. They did okay last year anyway, and, and the books are the books. So they need to get out of the gate hot, really, and... If there's one coach I think can do it, it's Sean Payton. I think my admiration for him is probably coming through quite a bit of what I'm saying. As a coach, as a tactician, as a as a game manager, as a play caller, I think he's one of the best in the league. And that's the only reason, really, I could even make a case for them being up there. But it it will be one of those. We'll see them in the first two, three weeks, and we'll, we'll see where they're at. But, uh, yeah, it's all QB. It's all QB. We've talked about a few teams like that, but... In the Saints case, it's a hundred percent true. They are. It is purely based on what happens at QB. Um, I don't know what you guys think about that. I know we've got a massive James Winston fan in, but I'll, I'll throw it to Mark first because I know he has some thoughts on on the Saints QB situation. So I'll get, get, give me it. Let's see what you think. It's just an interesting one because pretty much every single position in the NFL is situational, apart from quarterback. And Sean Payton is pretty imaginative and a pretty boundary-pushing offensive coordinator and head coach. He's an offensive coordinator there. Let's face it. He's calling offense and he's a head coach. Could we see a situational quarterback situation here where we go, okay, between the 20s, between up until the red zone, we're going to go with James Winston primarily or Ian Book. You know, he doesn't throw, he doesn't turn the ball over Ian Book. He doesn't throw many touchdowns. But he was the winningest quarterback at Notre Dame over their history. Quarterback with the most amount of wins in their history. Very conservative with the ball. I think last year he had 14 TDs or 15 TDs and three interceptions. Is what I've got written down on my pad here. You know, will they go, right, okay, Book, or Jameis Winston? We're going to run you up until the red zone. And then in the red zone, we're going to bring in Taysom Hill. You know, is this going to be – I wouldn't put it past – Sean Payton to go, I'm going to be the first head coach that makes quarterback a situational position. You know what I mean? And we'll use three of them on a drive if we need to. You know what I mean? Depend on what situation we're in. If we're chasing the game, we'll put it in the hands of Jameis Winston. If we're controlling the game, we'll put it in the hands of Ian Book. And if we're in the red zone, we're going to give it to Taysom Hill. You know, is, is it is it beyond the realms of possibility? No, definitely not. Peyton has always been quite innovative, and I think he's got the ego to think he could do that. 
as well. It would certainly be an unusual thing. It'd be interesting to see what some other teams do that are in similar situations. I can think of one very close to my heart with a very good athlete and a, you know probably a between-the-20s quarterback. It'd be interesting to see if that did take off. We know the NFL likes to copy, you know, Copy it's a copycat other. league. Yeah, exactly. It'd be interesting to see if, if it did take off. What did the teams do it? Yeah. Bones, I know you're a massive fan of Taysom Hill. So... Call me Urban Meyer because I love a gadget player. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just, I just, I do just like Taysom Hill. I think, I think Mark's point is a really good one, though. I think most of Taysom Hill's snaps do come in the red zone. Like, he's predominantly a red zone usage player. Like, He's he's played he played starter a few games he played from like in between the twenties a few games and he does all right like he does he does what he does like it's Taysom Hill he just, he plays like five different positions on offense most like half the time like the guy's unbelievable I just love him I wish he played for us I just love watching <laughs> him play like anytime he lines up and I think the thing that I love about that kind of player and it, I just it's it's the mind game isn't it it's the mind game that Sean Payton's playing when he puts. Taysom Hill on the field and you're trying to decide what defense you're going to send to match up with that and you're like well is Hill in at running back is Hill in at quarterback is Hill in at, as a receiver where the hell is Hill playing what is this guy doing and I think I think the down the downside of him potentially being the starter would be you would lose that like you would lose that unpredictability like you would lose that mix-up potential like you and I don't think Sean Payton will want to lose that as much as I would love to see Hill start because he is such a good player. Like, I, I well, at least I think he is personally. I just really like him. But I, I yeah, I, I don't know if I think he'll still be what he what he has been, and that's predominantly red zone usage. And he do, he excels there. He does well there. Like, yeah, all right, last year, young, four four touchdowns, two interceptions, classic uh, Jamias Winston lineup of fifty fifty. But <laughs> um. No, I mean, the guy, he's one of the few players that gets throwing, rushing, and receiving stats every single year. Like, how many players actually get that? Like, yeah, I just I just like to see him play, and I hope, he, I hope he's still got a prominent role, whatever it is, and I think he will. I think you make a really good point there, though, as well. Like, what, what's the trade-off between, okay, I lose the element of surprise from Taysom Hill because I'm no longer playing him as gadget player. But does he gain me something at quarterback? Is the gain at quarterback enough that you would be willing to give that up? It's an, it's an interesting point. I think I, I won't know what to think of the Saints until week one. I think that's that's kind of where I am at the minute. I, th- I look at the roster. I think it's a good one, but then I also go, I don't. There's too many things I have to I have to question about it. There's too many things I go. I wonder what they're going to do there, or I wonder who they're going to play here, or whatever. But, yeah, it'd be an interesting one. They'll certainly be, again, it's another fun-to-watch team because I have no idea what they're going to come out with on offense. Um, so I, I look forward to that. Jamie, he did I go 3-1 as terrible. a starter, sorry. He did go 3-1 and one as a starter when Breeze went down last year as well. He did, yeah, he did. The decision. He did have a good year. He did, and the game planned around him quite well, I thought. They, they put him in the best position to succeed, and that is what Peyton does. You know, that, that's that's the way he is. Um all right, Jamie, I know you don't like Sean Payton. I know you're an avowed James Winston fan, so go on. Let's see what you've got to say. I, I, I just like going off that bit where Bones said Taysom Hill had a good had a good season. So, Taysom Hill, <laughs> last season, was second only behind Dan Jones and Derek Carr for the most fumbles in the whole season. 
He had the most fumbles and lost fumbles whilst rushing all season. The only year that's ever happened. He had zero fumbles the year before and one fumble the year before that. You're being very specific because with the statistics you pick out here. But you're saying because he was a starter and he's actually playing. So, there you go. Winston, on the other hand, has a 5,000-yard season behind him when he was a starter. He had one pass, one throw, one inter one interception. So I'm not saying that. One <laughs> yeah, touchdown. Right. <laughs> one touchdown. I granted Saints didn't win the game because he went on beat and beat them, but Jameis Winston did have a throwing touchdown against the Buccaneers in the playoffs. One throw, one one touchdown, one hundred percent record right there. Just saying. <laughs> I, I agree with Mark though. I think Winston would be most of the outfield and maybe bring Taysom Hill in, in the red zone. Why not? Or you had Jameis Winston play behind Drew Brees for a year and then he could come out and maybe he's fixed those errors in his game. Don't forget, yeah. like we did go to the playoffs when he came out. He was a Heisman Trophy winner. Oh. He has the ability there. He, I think he's a phenomenal player. He's entertaining to watch whether it's going to be a win or a loss. You just love to watch because you never know what's going to happen with him. You say Taysom Hill's the most exciting player. Jameis Winston's the most exciting player because you don't know. He could throw a 500-yard game with seven touchdowns and eight interceptions and it'd be the bloody most beautiful thing in the world. <laughs> Jimmy, most most of these pods, I pick a bet for players, like for fans to get behind. Mm -hmm. I've got a bet for you to get behind. Jameis <laughs> Winston, comeback player of the year, 20 to 1. I've already got it on. You've already got it on? I probably will. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I love him. I think, I think like, I, I don't want them to do well because obviously I want the books to go and win it all. But I want him to do well. I, I've loved him since we drafted him in. He's been entertaining to watch. He's a nice guy. Like, I follow him on Instagram, on Hard Knocks, Buccaneers and stuff. He is a great guy. I, I love him. He's entertaining to watch. And or through the whole dire years that we had as a books fan, we played entertaining. Like we played entertaining football. It was never boring when we lost, so I didn't mind. You know, it gets a little bit frustrating when he's throwing it to the other guys, but you know. I came, I came up with that 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 bet just for you. I thought I want to get Jameis Winston a mention, and you know, see if he does start for the Saints. That's not a bad bet, that you know, Jameis Winston for comeback player of the year. Maybe he has learned something. Maybe he has smartened up. Maybe he does do well the Saints and they do win that division again. Twenty to one? Is it? Is, it's you could you could put a ten on worse corners, couldn't you? And no, I've no. got a bet for you. First throw interception. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Mike. For me, it's a no-brainer. Like Taysom Hill isn't good enough to be a starting quarterback. Like you say, he can go out and do other stuff. Fair enough. He was free. He was. Should we look? What games did he play as a three and one as a starter? Who did he play against? Probably the Jets. I don't know. Probably the Jaguars. But Winston, like I said, he's done it before. He's been to the playoffs. Granted, we didn't win when we went to the playoffs. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. He is an entertaining. He's got a great arm on him. He's great on the scramble as well. Like he can run. And he's going to be definitely something that Sean Payton can look at 
developing further when when he did that touchdown throw against the Buccaneers it was a complete trick play nobody expected what he was going to do because that's what he can do he is an entertaining player to watch and I wish him well in the future but not too well but I love you Winston <laughs> yeah you, you mean he was number one pick for a reason we could see that of Jamarcus Russell but at least we've seen something with Jameis Winston <laughs> that he's got some ability there you know, so then, how, how many how many quarterbacks has thrown over five thousand yards oh, in a single season? Only one. Fifty and fifty, five thousand yards. Is that what he had that year? Oh, that's sorry. What was his stats that year? Five thousand yards and how many touchdowns and how many interceptions was it? It was like thirty-five touchdowns and thirty interceptions or something like that. And then we went thirty and thirty, didn't he? And five thousand yards. It's incredible. Take away the interceptions and it's incredible. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, let, let's bring it up now. Uh, Winston 2019 stats, 5,109 yards. I mean, incredible. Yeah, he, he, he's a he's a great player. And like I said, as as a, a Buccaneers a great, fan. Yeah, I mean, come on, we're pushing the boundaries of great, yeah, like, aren't we? A great, yeah. <laughs> Colorblind really player, perhaps. Can't, can't tell yeah, uniforms apart, can he? Colorblind. point in that season where they got him tested for an eyesight issue because he was yeah. throwing that many. Well, Jorin, obviously, when his contract ran out, he did have eye surgery. Yeah, he had. It was it laser eye surgery he had or something. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah. we're not going to get the benefits of that now. Like, <laughs> Unless obviously when it does come down to the Saints and the Bucks and James Winston is starting and he decides that oh Mike Evans is still on the team but Mike Evans is playing defense for some reason decides to throw it at him <laughs> who knows yeah yeah I, we're gonna have to start wrapping this up we've been on here nearly two hours I know yeah I know it's with James, wow. James Winston loving now like you know when I start um, hearing the phrase James Winston's a great player I start mm. thinking you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I yeah. do agree, though. I think it is a something to look at that maybe he could be a shouting for comeback player of the year. I, think I mean, nobody else has nearly died or had the legs amputated this season. Maybe Joe Burrow, but you know, I mean, that's the only real contention, isn't it? You've, you've got Joe Burrow as his only contention to be comeback player of the year. So why not Winston? If they go sixteen and zero and Winston throws over five thousand yards, Bones. You will eat your words, much like he will eat those dubs. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. Yeah, I still don't get that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he looked at himself. And thought, How can I make myself look a bigger tit? <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll try and I'll try and round this round this uh, this dying embers of a show off now with, uh, with with the with the division prediction. I. I'm struggling here. I think, based on what we've said, we've probably got the Bucks winning the division, right? And the rest wide open. <laughs> yeah, it's a real struggle after that. Falcons um, number two. I'm telling you, Falcons number two. I, th got... I think the scenes. I think Mickey Loomis has done a magician's trick when they were in such cap hell and he brought back enough pieces to think that the Saints are still going to be number two in this division. I am kind of on board with that. I just think it depends on again. It depends on the QB, doesn't it? I think that's the only yeah. my only real I think, concern. I think that's why I, why I personally said the Falcons are two is because I think the Saints and the Panthers. The QB question mark is too big. Whereas Ryan's not Matt Ryan's not a question mark. Matt Ryan is an MVP caliber quarterback. 
That's a good point. That's a good point. But you know, I just with the unicorn. You know, let's lock that in. Let's go go on there. Let's shock the world. Oh, but I can't <laughs> put the Panthers bottom of these. I'm going to say that. That's where it gets difficult because somebody has to finish bottom as well. It's not just who finishes second. True. It's really difficult to predict this division. I mean, I've got yeah. the boxers winning it, and the other three, I'm like, well, what are the scenes going to look like without Breeze? How good are the Panthers going to be in a second year of Joe Brady and Matt Rule and arguably an upgrade of Teddy Bridgewater? How bad were the Falcons under Dan Quinn? And was it Dan Quinn's fault? And we're going to see, you know, like it's, I don't know how to predict the next three. The only thing I'm comfortable with is the Bucks are going to win the division. Yeah. And I don't know who's going to come. You're the other three. I really can't do it. <laughs> I'm, it I'm I think picking a last is the hardest part, really. Like, yeah, I agree with that. I agree. I'm going to, I'm going to actually speak out against my own statements. I'm going to put the Saints bottom. Wow. Well, there was the scenes, the, the scenes going from top to bottom. That's because, a uh, because if they don't have a QB, I, I really don't think I don't think their defense is good enough to carry them. I, oh, I don't have you know, like oh god, the Alvin Kamara, Latimore, yeah, Cameron Jordan. They've got some players there, though, John. They have. It's it's a tough one, but I'm, I'm looking at it from the perspective of we think the other two teams will be improved. The, see, the thing is, we just put the Falcons second. They were the only <laughs> other team I considered putting bottom because I don't know how good they actually are. And I think they're, I think they're a complete. Can we, not, can we not just break our own rule and go Tampa be a top? Question more, question more, question more. <laughs> <laughs> it just we might as well at this point. <laughs> This is the thing, though. Like, not a lot of people see. This is one of the most entertaining divisions because yeah. all of them are really good teams. Like I said, all of them have been to the Super Bowl in the last ten years, and anybody could win that division. Well, yeah. before well, no, not no. Anybody couldn't win that division. Anybody could lose that division right now, which <laughs> makes it a different ball game. This is the NFC West. The NFC West is going to be our longest episode because it will be an hour of me and Jordan fighting over who's won. I've got them, you know what I mean? Oh, I'll have God, to do yeah. a whole show on the radars alone, you know what I mean? I can't wait. No, I can't wait for that. I'm, I'm not. To be honest, I'm probably not even going to be on camera on that episode. I'm just going to go, right, we're going to go to the Raiders with Mark and then I'm just going to turn up. <laughs> No, uh, right. So I've got, I have got the books number one. I'm doing it for Twitter, obviously, just to see if we get. I'm, I, I am tempted to put the Saints bottom because I think we'll get a bunch of outraged people in the, uh, in the mentions. Ooh, I like yeah. that. Go on, I stick like it Go on. Books? Question more. Question more. Question more. Go on. <laughs> it's, it's, it's on the screen now. Put it on Twitter. It's official for the world to see. Or five followers. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, I said I wouldn't be surprised if at least two, maybe three of those teams are winning seasons. Yeah, I think, I think we'll see two wild card teams in this division. Yeah, I think this is a really strong division for me. I think, uh, yeah, I think, we'll, I think we'll see two teams in the playoffs on this division. Sorry, not two wild card teams. I think we'll see two teams in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could see that hundred <laughs> percent. I'm just having a look as well, Clark, because like some of the um, the teams that we're playing, I think we are playing the 
AFC. What's the pan? What's the um? You've got Patriots, Jets, and Jaguars. We're playing that division mainly this year. So again, like you think that division's pretty poor. Like if you count Jaguars and Jets, if they're not going to turn up, and then you've got the the Patriots as well, who might not even turn up. This division could do really, really well. I I really like the Panthers' schedule. They've got the Texans. They've got the Jets. They've got the Eagles. You know what I mean? I like those games. I like those games, and I'm batting Panthers to win those games. Then I guess it's going to boil down to in division. Who's going to win those division matchups? Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, last year, that's what broke. That's what broke the tie last year between the Saints and the Bucks. It's definitely going to be those interdivisional games. Um, so yeah, we're, we're sticking with that. It's out on Twitter now. So uh, now it's done. It's too late. We've <laughs> done it. Abuse from New Orleans, I reckon, but. Uh, well, I don't know. It's a tough one. You could you could feasibly make an argument for almost any any combination, really, after the books. Mm-hmm. I think. But uh, but yeah, another another episode in the books. Where are we going next week? AFC West. AFC West. Oh yes. <laughs> it's <laughs> time. Going to cover the AFC West and yeah, uh, it's not going to be pretty. Yeah. So. I, we know Mark is doing the Raiders. I can't remember who else is doing what else, but Mark is definitely doing the Raiders. Um, I don't we think may we not decide. be here next week. It may be one and a half hours of Mark just talking about the Raiders. We we don't know. We don't we don't plan this, by the way. We do some research, but I we do. don't plan it. Yeah, it's going to be like a special three-hour special, isn't it? Yeah, so we're going to throw it out to Mark, and who knows? Who knows what could happen? We already yeah, had last cool. week when he when he ranted about Tim Tebow, which we weren't expecting. So I mean, that wasn't even <laughs> that his was team. Fun, no. That <laughs> was fun, though. That was really fun. So yeah, uh, tune in next week for the uh, for the AFC West. I'm quite looking forward to it myself, to be honest. I think Jordan will be back with us next week and possibly hosting. Uh, but we will discuss that internally. But yeah, uh, in the meantime, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Third Short Pod, and uh, we'll we'll see you next week, guys. Have a good one. Have a good day, Chief.